Welcome to The Logbook. I'm your host, Lucas Weekly. This episode's supported by you, the listeners, through Patreon. Head over to thelogbookpodcast.com for more information. This time we honor African American History Month by listening to Bob Walker, one of the original Tuskegee Airmen who got a chance to fly during World War II. Bob lived in Detroit, Michigan, and growing up he helped his father repair typewriters for their business. From a young age, Bob was fascinated with flight and aviation. He used to make those model airplanes out of balsa wood and, and paper and had them hanging from the ceiling and, and man, they flew them things everywhere and, and rubber band engines and all. You talking about making planes, man, and helicopters and all that. Of course, they call them drones now, but they made helicopters and all that. It's just a, it's a youngster. This fascination eventually grew into the want to become a pilot for the U.S. Air Force. Unfortunately, because of the current segregation in the military, Bob didn't have many options or a high chance of achieving his goals because of his race. But that didn't discourage him from trying. Oh, I went to, went to training and get pilot training. Oh, yes, I asked for it right away, but I've been blessed, I guess I've been blessed like that, uh, taking an examination to go for pilot training. Somebody had told them that I knew all about airplanes, but I did. And I guess uh, they were surprised when, when, they, when they gave me the test. And the very next day, when the guy comes and tells me, hey, look, man, they tell me you're the only one ever, ever took this test, got 100% on it. It was easy. <laughs> Wasn't nothing that test. Being act as a teenager, it paid off. He was actually very lucky at the time, because once he finished his pilot training in the States, the Tuskegee Airmen and all African-American-run air squad were getting an opportunity that was unprecedented in military history. The Tuskegee Experience, as it was called, was somewhat of an experiment by the Army Air Corps started in Tuskegee, Alabama. They wanted to see if African-Americans could run all aspects of maintaining and flying combat-ready aircraft, and they could, which was not the expected outcome, by the way. But when American and English bombers needed more protection over Italy, the Tuskegee Airmen were transferred from their base in the Mediterranean to the front. I went in, I went in right after that. I wasn't the first. I wasn't the first group to go go over there, but I was second, I think I was second, second or third group to go over and changed the whole program, escorting the bomber squadrons, protecting them from being shot at. You know, see. And it's even changed the plane now. And to help the airmen accomplish their missions of transporting heavy bombers, their older P-40s and P-39s were replaced, and the crew members were trained to maintain and fly in the P-51 and P-47, some of the most advanced fighters at the time. Bob flew a P-51. That's so cool. It's a wonderful plane. Our whole program was that we're supposed to rendezvous with the bomber squadrons that they were English were bombing running their planes all like that again, and escort the English planes over to Target and back again. I never got shot at, uh, that I know of. I mean, I couldn't shot at. I guess I could, maybe they shot at me because I didn't know they shot at me. I never got shot down. I was lucky. I see German planes flying out overhead, but they can look down and see see me down below them looking up at them, and they said, they're not coming down to be bothered with me. <laughs> well, we were protecting them. They, they knew better than to come come dropping down to shoot us up like that. They wouldn't, they wouldn't shoot us. And I didn't get shot at. I was ready. And matter of fact, uh, my, my guns were all tuned up and everything all ready like that and all. And 
I could see him up there ready to come down, but it, uh, uh, it must have picked me out or something like that, though, because one of my good buddies said uh, he, he was, uh, he put some bullet holes and he put holes in his plane, man. He had, he had to land that plane thing because it, it, it was all shut up, you know, something like that. But uh, the plane I was flying didn't have a bullet hole in it. So uh, we escorted the bomber squadrons over the target and escorted them back. Now, even though he was never directly shot at, that doesn't mean that Bob didn't witness any action. Looking out in the distance like that, I could see one going down. But then I'm way back in the back of a trailer. See, I come back there. My assignment was a trailer. And I could see him way out there in front there. And I got to notify my, my group and everything like that. So kind of speed up a little to catch up, try to catch up with him. But then... Yeah, they uh, they knew how to get out of that way, you know. But the men stuck with the bombers and didn't abandon them to get a personal kill. This prevented any other enemy planes from swooping down on what would have been unprotected bombers. Another mission that Bob vividly remembers being a part of was when they helped escort a squad of bombers to take out some ball-bearing factories, and they were very successful. And I'm telling you, they raised more sand about that, closed down a whole factory because of that ball-bearing plant. <laughs> I didn't know about the plant that was closed up. That's all we know. They were making ball bearings. That's what what they put them on. I never saw the thing, but then destroying that plant was was major. That was major. Back in those days, man, they made a big issue of of the ball bearings. Gee, every time you look up there, they had some literature about that ball bearing plant. Oh, I'm telling you. What is a bunch of ball bearings? Is that important? (laughs) I guess it was. The ball bearings made in those factories were used in the production of almost all German vehicles. So taking them out meant that they could halt production and maintenance of bombers, fighters, ships, U-boats, tanks, etc. Unfortunately, according to some sources, the Germans were able to reassemble the broken factories in a matter of weeks and get the production back up and running. At least it boosted morale. Besides escorting bombers, the Tuskegee Airmen would also patrol the countryside and attack German ground targets, such as truck convoys, trains, railroads, and other transportation passageways, all to slow down the movement of supplies, troops, and munitions. And this would also preemptively clear the way to the bombing targets so the Germans couldn't set up anti-aircraft guns. That's another reason why the Tuskegee Airmen were so successful when escorting bombers. I know if we get the time, there was three of us, but really, I was a lead, there was two behind me there. And uh, we um, shot up the railroad tracks. The German plane can't get down there and shoot, down, shoot, uh, shoot us down like that. Well, well, it's, well, not the next day, but the, the day after that, the day after that, I came through that same area there. They had put the tracks back and everything. <laughs> and here we just had destroyed all those tracks. Of course, now my good buddy was, uh, was shot down there. And, um, now, not by another plane or or by with German planes or like that, he shot by a ground fire, and he was captured by the Germans and, and put in a German prison, prison camp. Bob was never really interested with shooting down planes and killing Nazis. He was there to fly. And when the war ended in Europe, so did the Tuskegee Airmen's involvement with the war. But again, that didn't stop Bob from wanting to fly. So when the war ended in Europe, we were still fighting Japan. And I saw, man, I said, oh, man. A good opportunity for me to transfer over to the bomber squadron. I was quick getting up on that thing there. And I went over to the bomber squadron, and uh, it looked like it took them for, uh, forever to transfer me. But they finally did. The only thing I was doing there 
There's, there's a co-pilot, you know. There's a pilot over here. He's got all this operating like that. I'm sitting over here with everything you can imagine, the same as he's got over here. But I don't have to do anything at all because he's flying the plane. And I just sit there. I'm riding the plane. I'm saying, okay. Every yeah, once in a while, I get up out of my seat and go back to see what the bombardier navigators are doing back there. We were transporting bombardier navigators, say, over there in, in the Pacific over there. And we would take them over there, and, and then they would get into military bomber over there. Then we would come back and get another load, and we'd take them back and back and back and forth. We were just transportation. That was uh, one of the programs we had, as I was told, that uh, they improvised that thing you know, because there was no place for us as a group. Pilots in the planes in, in, over there in Japan. So the bombardier navigators, they got a lot of practice out there, you know, out there in, the, in the Pacific Ocean. But uh, that, uh, as for installation of a, a base or anything, we never did have one over there. There was a lot of stories later about what reason why. But then, uh, although there be uh, had areas over there, but we had no didn't have any living facilities, so they couldn't have us base. There was no billeting for us over there. Uh, segregation was was one of those things, man. I'm telling you, yeah, they uh, look upon you like you you you're something out of some foreign lands or something like that. You just, you got the short end of the stick, regardless of whatever it was. You know, to, to, although you get you get you drafted or or you join up or like that. To, to, but then segregation is one of those one of those things. And I said, well, the only thing I was interested in was flying. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in shooting nobody, killing nobody. But I put, about a, put a lot of hours on the plane, though. It was a lot of fun. Once World War II was completely over, Bob headed back to the States and used his GI Bill to pay for his education. I, uh, I taught uh, senior high school course. I took business administration. I, I went on the GM bill and got my degree in the bill. I took the public schools, high school there for 26 years. And even though the war was over and Bob had a full-time job, that still didn't stop him from wanting to fly. There's uh, three of us got together and we bought a plane <laughs> in Detroit, boys. And we had a Cessna then. Of course, I said, it was that particular time I started teaching school. Sometimes while Bob was teaching, his friends would call him right before they were about to go up in their plane just to tease him. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. Also, after the war, some of the original members of the Tuskegee Airmen came together and formed chapters where they would just talk and reconnect over the years. Bob helped found the Detroit chapter. When he started organizing it, that uh, Tuskegee Airmen incorporated right there in my, my, my living room. Right there in Detroit, right there in Detroit. And I sat there and put that thing together. And all of a sudden, here comes all those chapters from all over, from California and then you know, Oklahoma and everywhere like that. You jumped online for the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated, and uh, we had our conventions, and, and we, put on a, we put on a darn, darn good show. And eventually this grew into a national organization holding conventions where original Tuskegee pilots and crewmen could come together from around the U.S. and share their knowledge and stories with the public and pass them down to future generations. They also offered education about aviation to groups of people at the time that didn't have access to such resources. They still got the organization, they still operating, and they still meet, they go to the convention every year. The last time, the last time I met with them, the last time I met in Detroit there, was at, uh, 
it was uh, no original no original member. Well, let's see, I think it was there was one other original member, president of the of the uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Now he's one of the descendants of the original group. But then they they keep it running. They keep it keep keep it going. Today, Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated and University still passes down their original legacy and helps young generations through educational assistance and scholarships. On March 29, 2007, the remaining Tuskegee Airmen were honored by President George W. Bush, who awarded all of them with a Congressional Gold Medal for breaking the stereotype and never giving up. This is the highest award the United States can give to a civilian. And of course, Bob was there to receive his. He said that he never thought the government owed him or his friends for what they did during the war, but he was very pleased that they were all recognized for their perseverance. Did you enjoy your time in World War II? Oh, yes. Maybe, maybe it's because of... Like one of my good buddies said, in my attitude, because uh, some of the guys would put, they put some crap on you, know, like that, like that, and, and I just ignore them, you know. They had their way of doing what they want to do, and I had my way of doing it like that. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of singing and raising a lot of sand and all like that. You know, a real nice group of a real group of guys. You know? I made a lot of good friends from that time. Had a good time. Bob Walker is 94 years old and is bedridden in his grandson's house. I helped to tell Bob's story more than I normally do because of his advanced age, but I want you to know that I didn't change any aspect of his stories. I only added to the content with some research I pulled after the interview. Bob is an incredible person and I wanted to make sure that I presented his stories in the most complete way possible. I had originally met Bob well before I started the logbook at a Florida Aero Club meeting that I was giving a presentation at. I immediately thought of him once the logbook was started, and I want to thank Bob's grandson, Robert Walker III, for allowing me to interview Bob. I wasn't sure if I was actually going to get an opportunity to do so. Thank you so much. You can check out pictures of Bob from his time in the war, along with more information about the Tuskegee Airmen and their accomplishments, by going to the article at thelogbookpodcast.com. This episode was supported directly by your donations. If you enjoy the show, you can support its production by becoming a patron. Through Patreon, you set a donation level that is given every time a new episode is released, and you can always set a monthly limit so you don't go over your budget. Depending on the amount donated, you are granted access to different rewards that are as simple as hearing a sneak preview to the next episode, all the way up to exclusive content that didn't make it into the show. Any amount is helpful, and the more that's donated, the more the show can improve. Head over to our website, thelogbookpodcast.com, and click on the Patreon banner at the side of the page to start supporting. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps to bring awareness to the logbook. If you have a story about anything in aviation, we would love to hear it, and it may even become an episode of the logbook. You can send us an email by using the contact page on our website. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back for the next entry in the logbook.